0: My name is Thomas Malchow. I've been in the fitness industry for over 20 years. I've worked with hundreds of Olympic and professional athletes. I can help you become better at golf. What's up, guys? My name is Thomas Malchow from trainfully.com, and you are listening to the Train Fully podcast, the show dedicated to enhancing your golf performance. If you like our podcast and you find it helpful, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple podcasts. So in the last episode, Dr. Sasha McKenzie joined us and we talked about speed training for golf. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, I recommend you do. It's a great episode. Sasha is a brilliant kinesiologist and he does such a great job breaking down the science of speed training. Since that episode aired, a lot of you have reached out to me asking me if your strength training, when is the best time to do speed training? And it's a great question, and I thought it would make a really good podcast episode. So that's what we're gonna do here. In this episode, I'm gonna break down how to properly organize and integrate speed training with strength training or resistance training so that you get the best improvements in club head speed while minimizing your risk for injury. So for the information in this episode, it doesn't matter whether you're using the stack system, Super speed golf, launch code golf, whichever speed training product you're using, the information in this episode applies to you. All right. So, the first thing we need to do, just to make sure we're all on the same page here, is define what strength training is. And this is important because I think some of you are strength training, but you don't realize it. And that's because the terms strength training and resistance training have become synonymous. Okay. So, if you're doing any type of resistance training, whether that's with weights or bands or whatever, you are strength training, okay? So for example, for those of you who are members of my inner circle, if you're doing any of the Train Fully programs or any of the training phases, you're strength training. Now, just a quick little commentary here because I'm particular about these types of things. In the world of performance enhancement, resistance training is probably the more accurate term. And that's because strength training is one of the phases of resistance training. Okay, so for those of you who are members of my inner circle, you know that we have different phases of training. And each phase is designed to target a specific adaptation, right? We have corrective training that's designed to correct muscle imbalances, joint dysfunctions, neuromuscular deficits and movement impairments. We have stabilization endurance training, that's designed to create optimum levels of stabilization, strength, and postural control. We have strength endurance training, which is a hybrid form of training that promotes increased stabilization, endurance, muscle growth, and strength. We have hypertrophy training that's designed to create maximum muscle growth and increase muscle size. We have maximum strength training that focuses on just increasing your absolute strength. We have power training that focuses on increasing the rate of force production or the speed of muscle contraction. And then finally, we have maximum power training, which is a higher intensity form of power training to increase your power even further, right? So there's a lot more to performance enhancement than just strength training. Strength is one of the adaptations that we target in a properly designed resistance training program. And again, if you're a member of my inner circle, all of this is done for you. If you're not a member and you wanna join, head over to trainfully.com. Okay, so now back to our question, if you're doing resistance training, when is the best time to do speed training? Preferably, we do speed training and resistance training on different days. However, that's not absolutely necessary. If you organize the workout correctly, it's perfectly fine to do speed training and resistance training on the same day, you can still get the same results. And I'll show you how to do that here in a moment. Okay. But generally speaking, we prefer to do speed training and resistance training on different days. Two to three non-consecutive days per week is optimal for speed training. Okay. So we want to do two to three speed training sessions per week, but not on consecutive days. So for example, if your resistance training on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, then preferably we would have you speed training on say Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Okay. Okay. The reason we don't want you speed training on back-to-back days and the reason we prefer to do speed training and resistance training on different days is because we need to allow time for the central nervous system and the muscle tissues involved to regenerate, okay? Speed training requires a large degree of force production, motor control, energy system utilization, and neuromuscular coordination, And all of that is very demanding on the central nervous system, right? And so fatigue can easily begin to impact the speed and quality of your movement. And if you make a habit of being tired when you do your speed training, then not only will your speed training not be as effective, but you could potentially start to develop some inefficiencies in your swing. And you could even actually increase your risk for injury, okay? So we need to allow time for the central nervous system and your muscles to regenerate. Now, that being said, it's not always possible to do speed training and resistance training on different days, right? For example, some of the professional golfers I work with do some form of resistance training five days a week. Now it's not all high intensity training, but they're still doing one of the training phases that I mentioned earlier five days a week. So there's just going to be some days where they have to do speed training and resistance training on the same day. There's no other choice, right? Maybe you're not training five days a week, but maybe your schedule doesn't allow you to do speed training and resistance training on different days either. Maybe you're too busy or maybe you just don't want to, right? Maybe you don't want to train more than three days per week. You want to do the speed training and resistance training during the same workout, and get it over with. Well, like I said, that's totally fine, too, we can still get the same results. But we have to organize that workout in a very specific way. Okay. And again, if you're a member of my inner circle, what I'm going to talk about here is going to relate directly back to our train fully workouts. If you're not a member, I recommend that you organize your workouts in this way. Each workout should begin by addressing specific mobility or flexibility needs with foam rolling, joint mobilizations, stretching, and mobility drills. Okay. The reason we want to address mobility first is because limitations in mobility are the most common cause of movement compensations, right? And I don't want you compensating when you're doing your speed training and resistance training because that's not going to help your performance. In fact, it could actually hurt your performance and increase your risk for injury, okay? So we always address mobility first. So for example, maybe we foam roll your latissimus dorsi, your piriformis, and your tensor fasciae lata. And then we move on to some thoracic spine extension and rotational mobilizations. And then we do some stretching for the pectoralis major and minor, the latissimus dorsi, the hip flexor complex, and the biceps femoris, okay? All of that should take about 10 minutes. After we finish mobility, we then move on to neuromuscular control, okay? So this is where we do our corrective exercises to strengthen, weaken, inhibited muscles. It's where we do our core exercises to develop optimum levels of neuromuscular efficiency, stability, and functional strength of the core musculature. And it's where we do our balance exercises to enhance proprioception, dynamic stability, and sensory motor control, okay? So as the name suggests, the purpose of the neuromuscular control portion of the workout is to enhance your neuromuscular control and help you move better, okay? So for example, maybe we do some isolated strengthening for the rotator cuff and the scapular stabilizers. We do some crunches maybe some glute bridges and some cable or band rotations for the core. And for balance, maybe we do single leg touchdowns or a transverse plane lunge to balance. Okay. And all of that takes about 10 minutes. So now we're about 20 minutes into the workout, right? Your body temperature has been raised. So you're warmed up and we've optimized your mobility and we've enhanced your stability, your postural control, and your balance, right? So you're moving really well. And again, for those of you who are members of my inner circle, I'm gonna relate all of this directly back to the train fully routines here in a moment. So I'm gonna tell you exactly when in the train fully routines to do the speed training, okay? But we'll continue with this here first. So we've done mobility, we've done neuromuscular control. At this point, what do we have left to do? Well, we still have the speed training and the resistance training to do, of course. But we also have to do plyometrics. Now, I know when I say plyometrics, a lot of you think of these super high intensity, explosive exercises that really only advanced athletes should be doing, right? There's more to plyometrics than those exercises, okay? Just like how we have different phases of resistance training, well, we have different phases or levels of plyometric training as well. And we can categorize plyometrics into three main levels. The first level includes reactive activation and plyometric stabilization exercises. Okay, so these are lower intensity plyometrics, but they're very effective at increasing firing rate, reactive stability, and postural alignment, right? So, in golfing terms, that means these exercises are really good at improving your balance, your stability, and your postural control. These are the plyometrics that we use in the corrective routines and the stabilization endurance routines. Okay. In level two, we have the plyometric strength exercises. So these are higher intensity and they're designed to enhance dynamic joint stability, eccentric strength, rate of force production, and neuromuscular efficiency. Okay. So in golfing terms, That means they're really good at increasing the amount of force that you can generate during your downswing and increasing your club head speed. These are the plyometrics that we do in the strength endurance workouts, the hypertrophy workouts, and the maximum strength workouts, okay? And then finally in level three, we have the plyometric power exercises. So these are the exercises that I think most people think of when they think of doing plyometrics. These are the highest intensity plyos and they're done as fast and as explosively as possible, okay? They're designed to maximize the rate of force production and reactive strength. And in golfing terms, that means these exercises are really good at maximizing your power and your club head speed, okay? These are the plyos that we use in the power workouts. And so as you can see, it doesn't matter if you're doing a corrective workout, a stabilization workout, a strength workout, or a power workout, typically, you will still be doing some form of plyometrics, okay? So now back to our question, what do we do next? Well, we have to do plyometrics, we have to do speed training, and we have to do resistance training. We're going to do the resistance training last. So we'll put that aside. So that means the question now becomes, do we do the plyometrics before the speed training or the speed training before the plyometrics? Most of the time we prefer to do the plyometrics first. Okay. But not always. The reason we usually prefer to do the plyometrics first is because of the benefits we get from doing plyometrics. Okay. And I just listed these off. Better balance, increased stability, better postural control, higher force production, and more power. And yes, these are the long-term benefits of doing plyometrics, but they're also the short-term benefits. You may have noticed that after doing certain exercises, you feel like you have better balance, you're more coordinated, and you move better, right? It just feels easier to move and you feel more athletic. Well, that's not in your head. That's actually what's happened. And the reason it's happened is because those exercises have benefited you several ways. First of all, they probably increased motor unit recruitment, which means your nervous system is now recruiting more muscle fibers. They probably also increased the firing rate of those muscle fibers, which means they're being recruited faster now and more often. And they probably also improve synchronization, which means instead of your muscle fibers being recruited at different times, they're all being recruited now at the same time and they're working together, right? If you think about a team of people in a rowboat, improved synchronization means that everybody is rowing together at the same time. So the rowing has become more efficient. Okay. So that's what happens to your neuromuscular system when you do plyometrics, increase motor unit recruitment, increase firing rate and improved synchronization. And all of that adds up to more force production and better motor control. And if you're producing more force and you have better control over that force, well, then that's going to make your speed training more effective, right? But there's another benefit to doing the plyometrics first, okay? Plyometrics also improve intermuscular coordination, okay? So intermuscular coordination is the ability of opposing muscles to cooperate to perform movement. So in practical terms, that means that you've become better at contracting some muscles while relaxing others. And this makes you faster and more coordinated as well. Okay, so simply put, plyometrics make you faster and more coordinated in the long term and in the short term. And because they improve your performance in the short term, we prefer to do them before the speed training because they can make the speed training more effective. Okay, so for example, depending on which training phase you're in, Maybe you're gonna do a frontal plane hop to stabilization or a box jump to stabilization, lunge jumps or a counter movement jump. And then after you finish the plyometrics, you move on to the speed training. But here's the deal. If you feel excessively tired after doing the plyometrics and as a result, you're not able to put full effort into your speed training, which comes after, then you may want to do the speed training first and then the plyometrics. But either way, after doing the plyometrics and the speed training, we finish the workout with resistance training. Okay, so now let's relate all of this back directly to the Train Fully routines. Okay, if you're doing any of the routines from the original Train Fully program, you can do the speed training after you finish your workout. Okay, so you can do the entire workout and then do your speed training. If you're doing corrective training, whether that's an entire phase you've dedicated to corrective training or a corrective workout within one of the Train Fully programs, you could do the entire corrective workout and then do your speed training. The only issue with that potentially is that workout with the speed training could take, you know, almost an hour and a half, right? So you might be a little bit tired and that fatigue could potentially interfere with your speed training. So if that's the case, what I would recommend is for you to only do one set of the corrective exercises, right? So if you look at the workout and you go to the printout, there are 10 corrective exercises from isolated activation to subsystem integration, and we perform those 10 exercises in a circuit. We do that circuit twice with 60 seconds rest between sets, right? If you're doing speed training in that workout, maybe only do one set of the corrective exercises and then move directly onto the speed training. If you're doing stabilization, endurance, strength, endurance, hypertrophy, or maximum strength training, again, whether that's an entire phase or a workout within one of the train fully programs, do the speed training after the plyometrics and before the resistance training. Okay. So the speed training goes between the plyometrics and the resistance training the stabilization, endurance, strength, endurance, hypertrophy, and maximum strength training workouts. Okay. If you're doing power training, again, whether that's an entire phase or a workout within one of the train fully programs, do the speed training after the core and balance and before the resistance training. Now, just another note here about power training workout. Okay. In the follow along video, I do the resistance training and the plyometrics as a vertical circuit, right? So we do the exercises one right after another, right? We do all of the maximum strength exercises, then we rest one to two minutes, and then we do the plyometrics, okay? We call that vertical loading. The good thing about vertical loading is it's very time efficient, right? The workout doesn't take very long. It's also really effective at increasing testosterone and growth hormone levels. And it burns a lot of calories, right? The downside of vertical loading is it can cause a lot of fatigue, right? And if you're fatigued, then you're probably not going to maximize your power adaptation, right? So that's why if you go to the printout of the power routine, I've written the workout with horizontal circuits. So with horizontal circuits, We do one set of the maximum strength exercise. So, for example, one set of chest press, then we rest one to two minutes, and then we do the corresponding plyometric, which in this case is the plyo push up. And then we rest another three to five minutes and we repeat that pairing until we've completed three sets of it. And then we move on to the next pairing. Okay. So that's called horizontal loading. Horizontal loading takes a lot longer, but there's less fatigue involved, right? And because there's less fatigue involved, horizontal loading can potentially be more effective at developing power for some people, okay? So you can do it either way, vertical loading or horizontal loading. And if you need clarification on this, please reach out to me. All right, guys, so there you have it. To summarize, we wanna do speed training two to three days per week, but not on consecutive days. And we preferably do speed training and resistance training on different days. However, we can do speed training and resistance training on the same day if we organize the workout in the way that I just described. And guys, if you're not a member of my inner circle and you want to join, head over to trainfully.com. Guys, if you have any questions, please reach out to me. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode.